Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, your guide on all aspects of franchising, from brand awareness to franchisee acquisition. I'm Kieran McLoon, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. Before listening to this episode, don't forget to enter your brand into the highly anticipated Global Franchise Awards 2021, which have an entry deadline of the 29th of March 2021 at 5pm GMT. More information can be found at globalfranchisemagazine.com forward slash awards. The world of franchising PR is one that we've talked about extensively on this podcast, and that's because it's always relevant and vital for franchisors looking to stay current. Our guests today are firm advocates for the power of VR, with Sally Ann Butters and Lucy Archer founding RevPR back in 2015 to help franchise brands in expanding the potential of their public relations outreach. On this episode, we speak with Sally and Lucy about their extensive experience of franchise PR, what some of their philosophies have been, and the essential tidbits that brands must know when going into a new year of opportunity. Hi, Sally and Lucy. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today. How's everybody doing? Great, thank you. Yeah, very well, thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, no, nice to have the both of you. Um, so if we just dive straight into it then, obviously you both work very extensively within the world of franchise PR with RevPR, um, and this is an industry that's becoming you know, much more competitive as more um, more agencies start up, more fra- you know, franchising becomes a bigger part of the business landscape worldwide. Um, and I was wondering how you both kind of use your extensive PR knowledge and experience that you've accumulated over the years to really differentiate RevPR so that brands come specifically to you as opposed to some of your competitors. I'm Sally, if you wanted to start off with this one. Yeah, sure. Um, so both Lucy and I have worked in franchising for some years. And so when we started RevPR, it was really from that stance of not starting just a PR agency, but coming from a need of what we were seeing in the franchise industry. So I think that that's a, that's a big difference. So there's a lot of big London agencies out there that franchisors may feel, well, look, if I want to get the big news coverage, then maybe that's who I should be approaching to be my PR agency. Um, but actually, you know, franchising is a bit of a different world. There's some education involved in understanding what franchising is about and what you should be doing when thinking about investing in a franchise. And so the way that we approached starting RevPR uh, was very much thinking about um, the experiences and the information and content that would be appropriate to come from franchisors to prospective franchisees and also suppliers in the franchising industry as well. Right. Okay. So it's a much more almost bespoke approach tailored, you know, around the kind of the needs of the industry as opposed to a one size fits all you might get in another, uh, another agency. Um, and Lucy, I saw uh, on the RevPR site that some of the, one of the one of the main services you've been providing recently is co- uh, crisis communication support, which I imagine has been in quite high demand since the emergence of the coronavirus pandemic. And um, would you be able to kind of unpack what some of the other main services RevPR has provided over, let's say, the past twelve months throughout the duration of the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, it's worthwhile saying actually that our services have have stayed the same um, for the majority of our clients. And I think it's it's less about the services um, that have changed and more about the advice for clients and the messaging that has changed in response to the pandemic. Um, you know, most people still do tend to think of PR as, as being what we refer to as traditional media relations, when in actual fact, um, PR today encompasses all forms of internal and external communication with your audiences. So 
we work around something called the PESO model, which your listeners may or may not be familiar with, but PESO stands for paid, earned, shared and owned media. Um, so that the services that we offer and have continued to offer over the last 12 months really sit in each um, section of this PESO model. So that's everything from, as I said, the traditional media relations to copywriting, to award entries, um, you know, expert guide, thought leadership, um, it, it really is the whole uh, the whole integrated model that people are now are focusing on. And, and as I say, I think that's down to a, a mix of responding to the pandemic and just understanding that you have to carry on um, communicating internally and externally um, to you know to continue with franchise recruitment, with sales, consumer B two B, etc. It's uh, it's all in one. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of the brands we've spoken to this past year, especially throughout the pandemic, um, have, you know, really highlighted how you can't shut down, you do have to keep going because other your competitors are going to and you don't want to be left behind when the world does start back up again. Um, and just on that note, um, Sally, why do you think that uh, franchises, especially now, maybe at the beginning of a new year, when they're considering their strategy looking ahead should turn to the services of a PR firm versus trying to solve some of their um, outreach problems or maybe franchisee acquisition problems um, in-house? Yeah, I mean, gosh, where do you start? I mean, most people come to us because they don't have the time, they don't have the in-house resource, or they simply don't feel they have the knowledge and the expertise when it comes to PR. Um, and so that's that's really why people first talk to us. Um, you know, and anyone growing a business, the best approach is always to hire somebody who knows that area of expertise better than you, in fact, because, you know, that's who you want on your team. Um, and so, you know, we get this question, should I just hire in-house a PR person? You know, because sometimes the salary of that person is comparable to our annual retainers. Um, but actually, you know, th there's a few things to consider there. Um, firstly, with us, you're getting a whole team of people with varying expertise rather than just the one person. And let's face it, during what we've just gone through, um, you know, there's been people taking time off because of COVID or having to homeschool, things like that. And, and so actually, if that person isn't in-house doing your PR, then it just stops. Whereas with us, you know, we have a whole team. So there's all sorts of ranges of skill sets and experience that come with having a PR firm. Um, things like, you know, we have multiple industry contacts. Um, if um, we're looking to pitch to a particular media where we don't have an existing contact, there's somebody who can refer um, us to the right person. So, yeah, you know, there's just so many reasons why people um, choose to go with a PR firm um, rather than um, just having a, a PR person in house. And I think just sorry, um, just to follow on from what what Sally was saying there, we we sometimes get the question as well. Oh, should we? You know, why a bigger agency or why an agency um, that specialises in a certain industry like Rev in the franchise industry over a local PR agency? And I think that comes back to this point about the industry contacts and the referrals um, because yes a local agency will will often have some really good on the ground contacts in a specific town or in a city um, but then when it comes to the national media or when it comes to writing about a specific topic or theme or industry um, again having the contacts is what's really key. 
Yeah, so it's all about who you know, as always, mm. which is a mantra <laughs> that is echoed throughout every aspect <laughs> yeah. of business. Um, and Lucy, just on that note, um, would you say that there's a clearly, you know, from the your experience in the industry, would you say that there's a, a strong connection between the idea of having a, um, a strong PR presence for a brand and an increased rate of franchisee acquisition, which is ultimately what the franchisors, one of their main goals is? Yes. <laughs> yes is the, the absolute um, <laughs> answer to that. I mean, you know, um, I think this, you could give an entire podcast to this question rather than just, um, you know, one question and answer. But I suppose some headline thoughts around that would be, um, it's all about trust. You know, we say that all the time. Um, and PR is far more trusted than advertising. It's part of the same mix. I completely appreciate that. But um, we do live in a very consumer savvy world now and people understand when they are being sold to. Um, whereas when it comes to securing PR coverage, you know, an audience understands much more that it has been through a third party, sales messages have been stripped out and it's actually a credible source of information. Um, in fact, you know, when, when we're talking about credibility, from a franchisor's perspective, setting yourself as a credible brand amongst all franchisors is so important. I think perhaps franchise brands get hung up sometimes um, competing or they think that they're competing with franchisors in the same industry, when in actual fact, you know, every franchisor could be considered a competitor. Um, you know, prospects look at franchises from care industry, dog grooming to QSR and everything in between. We all know that, you know, until they finally settle on a brand. Um, and more often than not, what gets them to settle on a brand is the people. It's the people in the team. So setting the credibility for the team and the key contacts in the brand is is really vital. And that's a part of what your PR is designed to do, you know, through expert guides, through thought leadership articles, that sort of thing. The, the trust and credibility setting plays a huge part in franchisee acquisition. Um, and if if you think about it from the bottom up, um, you know, a, strong, a brand with a strong presence is likely to mean more market share. And, and that means that franchisees are likely to be doing better business, which means that um, those franchisees thinking of joining the network are more likely to feel confident seeing what's already happening. Um, you know, we always say happy franchisees give good feedback during due diligence. So it's all really interlinked. Um, and yeah, the, we could talk about that for, for hours, but definitely, yes, a strong brand presence um, has a massive impact on the rate of franchisee acquisition for sure. Yeah. And, and like Lucy says, um, we could go on and on about this. But um, interestingly enough, we've got a really popular infographic on our website. So if anybody wants to look into that more, then, um, you know, head on over to um, revpr.co.uk and, and, and have a look at our infographic on um, the importance of PR for franchise recruitment. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I never really considered how holistically positive, you know, good PR can be. And also, as you said, Lucy, the the difference between PR and advertising. I mean, from a consumer point of view, I know myself that, as you say, you can immediately tell when you're almost being, you know, deceived maybe by a brand, whereas PR often has those much more genuine kind of stories um, that, as a, you know, obviously from a consumer point of view, but I can imagine as well, franchisee acquisition, it assists with that. Um, just on that note, are there any kind of uh, talking about transparency, are there any kind of guiding philosophies that you both utilize um, on what good PR means to you, you know, that you kind of have honed throughout your experience within the industry? Sally, if we start with you on that one. Sure. So I think one of the things that um, 
is difficult for me to respond to um, is when I regularly hear business owners saying, but surely all PR is good PR. And it just isn't true. Um, and you mentioned one of the services we, services we offer is um, crisis communication planning. Um, and for me, the true measure of good PR is how you communicate when things are going a bit awry. You know, whether you work with children, pets, the elderly, or, you know, anything in between um, for franchise brands, there are factors out of your control and also some within your control that can just cause a crisis. Um, and how you respond as a brand in the difficult times is really what sets you apart. So you can do all sorts of great PR and plan activities and and get really great coverage throughout the year. But it is those times um, and really being prepared as the brand spokesperson and as a team and making sure that somebody who really understands PR is on your board of directors um, so that you can assess um, that those potential risks for um, when a crisis comes about and how you actually respond. So so for me, um, having worked in um, as a specialist in crisis communication in, in previous years, then, you know, for me, good PR really is about how you respond in the difficult times, not just in the good times. So yeah, no, so it's quite a lot about being um, kind of proactive rather than reactive so that you can, as you say, uh, Sally, react in those times of, um, you know, hardness with uh, a lot of experience behind those decisions. Um, Lucy, what's kind of your philosophy in that area? I think it's, it, it marries up with, you know, with what Sally said, and it's the crisis comes is by far the most overlooked thing that we come into contact with when we work with brands. Um it's either non-existent, you know, or it's it's neglected 90% of the time. And my sort of overarching thought on inverted commas good PR is that it's led by authenticity and that's both of message and of execution. So yeah, it's it, it's just a vital part of the mix. And yes, the, the key for me is authenticity and that, and that filters through every part of what good PR is. And um, just on that note, what kind of actionable maybe go-to advice could you provide to um, to any franchisors that may be listening now who kind of want to improve their PR potential, their outreach, but they're not really sure how to do it? What would be your even maybe you know what can they what can they do this week to improve their their PR um, side of the brand, uh, Lucy? Well, to be honest, the most common um, comment that we get or that's made to us by franchisors is that they don't they don't have any news or they don't think that they have anything PR worthy. Um, so, you know, that the thing is to simply think about the effect that launching a franchise, investing in your franchise will have on a person, um, the impact on their lives, their finances, their family. It's, it's so important just to think about the difference that they make in their community, um, whether that's bringing employment to the area. You know, there's just a whole host of possible angles on that one topic so our go-to advice is always always first off take a step back from the business get out of the day-to-day operations um possibly get a few of you together and have a brainstorm um you know how you get those messages out is another conversation but getting the content first is often easier than you think um news of franchisee signups isn't always the, the thing to get hung up on um, and I think franchisors, it's really helpful to get out of that headspace um, that if you haven't signed a franchisee, you've got nothing to talk about. And instead, 
um, you know, think about milestones in the business, think about innovations, whether that is in response to the pandemic and the way in which you've changed or pivoted your operations, um, whether it's innovations in technology within the business, and even down to things like awareness days, um, how you can, you know, newsjack or piggyback on the back of news and um, special days of the year that are already happening and are, and are in the calendar, come what may. So I think it's just, you know, change your perspective and look at things from an outsider's point of view. And you, you usually will find something noteworthy. Um, it's a, we've put it this way, we've never not found anything. So I think it's, um, <laughs> it's there's, there's always something to talk about. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, Sally, have you got any must-dos to add on to that? Uh, I mean, yeah, I really do just echo what Lucy says there. Um, and yes, of course, once you've got some ideas um, flowing in terms of what you can fill your PR calendar with, it is then about um, thinking, okay, well, let's go back to basics here and let's look at where does my audience sit? Um, and so, you know, where are they going to engage with the media? Um, and then look at that media and actually read, listen and see, okay, any of these news angles that I've got, do they fit in this media? Hey, look, we all want to be in the New York Times or the Independent. But realistically, you know, if you're wanting to speak to people who don't consume those media, then that's just really, you know, looking for that ego placement rather than something that's valuable to the business. Um, you know, if you're looking to recruit franchisees, then there can be a huge educational piece for them to understand what franchising is before you even, you know, get to the point of, of them choosing your business in particular. So, you know, if you've got a minimal budget when it comes to PR, then, you know, look at where your potential franchisees are consuming their media, have a good read, have a listen, and then see what you can offer to that media that is going to be educational, inspirational or entertaining so that that's going to get picked up and pick up the phone and have a chat with those uh, journalists at those media um, titles and, and, you know, just see what is it and how could you help them to give them some interesting content for their readers or listeners. Yeah, so it sounds a lot like the um, the way that people should approach PR is similar to, as you, you both said earlier, how they should approach, you know, what firm they want to work with is taking a much more bespoke approach and not that one size fits all, but really looking, you know, drilling down into what works for them, what publications work for them, what kind of stories do. Um, yeah, no, so it's some really useful advice for, for our listeners. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask the both of you is just, I'm not entirely sure how um, necessarily seasonal, I suppose, trends in PR are, but there are any kind of main directions you think that um, that PR will go this year? So for example, you know, specific social media platforms might be significant, how brands should approach the, the end of lockdown. I mean, obviously in the UK is where we're all based currently, you know, we've just entered our third lockdown by this point. Are there any kind of ways you think that brands should handle these kind of things to really maximize their potential in 2021? Yeah. So, I mean, when we talk about trends, I mean, in terms of PR, just trends by its nature, they, they come and go. Um, and, you know, I think that you, you'll have got from what we've been talking about so far that really the best PR is authentic. It's consistent. It builds trust and credibility and value over the long term. So we kind of avoid trends per se. Having said that, of course, new social media platforms pop up. 
there are certain brands that will never really need to use TikTok. Um, and there's others where it'll work really well. So yeah, of course, you know, that there are opportunities that come in terms of that. Um, and I mean, for me, in terms of if you haven't been doing any PR, anything to raise the brand profile during lockdown, then you're going to have a lot to make up um, if if you leave it until the end of lockdown, you know, whatever country you're in. Um, so I think that um, start planning now to regain some momentum if if that's the case. Um, and for those of you who've um, kept going, then great, you know, up the ante, take more market share from those people who are keeping quiet throughout this whole time. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, cultural shifts as well. I mean, when it comes to um, recruitment, um, I, I think there's been this whole shift that during the pandemic, people have either completely switched off from media and the news, or they're consuming even more. Um, and honestly, I think that the franchisees that you want to, um, or, or rather the prospects that you want to engage with, are probably those who have wanted to keep up to date with what's going on with the economy, um, etc. And so, actually, those people um, that you're now less likely to reach because of this shift. They've kind of deselected themselves because they're not engaging with news in the media. Um, you know, and it, I think it's worth noting sort of anecdotally um, the brands that we work with, what they've been telling us in terms of the prospects that have been coming through their pipelines. They're far more serious. There's way fewer time wasters um, than perhaps 18 months ago. Yeah. And, uh, and Lucy, have you got any kind of closing thoughts to add on to that? Um, I think, you know, as we've said from, from the beginning, that the best PR is is authentic, um, it's consistent, and it builds trust and value over the long term. Um, so, you know, as Sal's already mentioned, if, if you are a brand who has, um, for want of a better word, pulled the plug um, on marketing or PR activity, I think the, the advice that we would give is um, to get going again as soon as possible, because... You know, there are plenty of people who have been at it and have made some fantastic relationships whilst the media continues to fill space. Um, I think it's telling that we've doubled our client base since last March. Um, you know, and those brands will have definitely um, had a leap on the competition. Um, a trend, like we said, you know, it's something that comes and goes and that's not what we want to be demonstrating through, um, through our PR activity. It's all about... The, the consistent communication and, and messaging um, to our audience, no matter what they're going through. Yeah. So it's about planning for the long term, which comes through that authenticity and um, transparency with both, you know, consumers, but also, as you say, franchisees yeah. looking for, for new investments. For sure. And I think it's worth, you know, it's worth acknowledging for, for every brand. Um, no one should have been continuing on as though nothing has happened. Um, and, I, and I think that is um, a, a shift that we've seen slightly over the last 12 months is towards more transparency, more openness, more honesty from brands, which is um, very welcome in, in our in our book um, and it's something that hopefully will continue because you know consumers appreciate um, the honesty they appreciate the um, the candidness of brands I think who acknowledge that yes things have been difficult but 
either here's what's been done to to mitigate the circumstances or the impact on the franchise network, or here is how the brand's pirated, or here's how it's invested, or for those that have had to, um, you know, cease trading for whether it's lockdown or um, or any other reason, um, how they are supporting their network during that time. There's again, you know, there's always something to say. There's always a story in there, which is a positive story, regardless of what a brand. Um, or a network is going through. So yes, trends we're not so keen on, um, but consistency we are. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see what some of the, the biggest stories coming out of your clients are as we, hopefully, at least here in the UK, as we said, come out of lockdown um, <laughs> and the year can can properly get underway. Um, well, thanks very much to the both of you for your time and uh, really look forward to seeing what's next for, for everybody at RevPR. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Kieran. Thanks. I think the main takeaway from my conversation with Lucy and Sally is that PR can't be something that brands only engage with when they feel it's necessary. It needs to be a a permanent, ongoing part of brand growth strategy and the franchises that will succeed during times of trouble, like during a pandemic, are the ones that are constantly and authentically sharing stories that reveal the the human element of their organisation. I personally hadn't considered the difference between good PR and advertising, but I'm sure all of us can tell when we're being sold to and when a story feels genuine. For any brands that struggle to make that separation, they need only to reach out to a firm like RevPR for clarification. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Have you seen an especially great use of PR recently, either to boost consumer trust or attract new franchisees? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.